great question. So for me, I always ask my entrepreneurs, what do you want? And you think, well, that that's such a simple question. I want to have a lot of money. I want to have a stack of cash. I want to have a boat. I want to have a yacht. I'm... Okay, but what do you want and why do you want it? Welcome, everybody, to another week of Funny Business, where we interview other entrepreneurs and see what uh, tidbits for success that we can glean for our lives. Today with me, I have Todd Palmer. Todd, how are you? I am excellent. Good to see you. So before we like to dive into this, the story of uh, what your business is and, and what we can all learn from it, I always like to know just a little bit more about the people that we interview. So what was your childhood like and where'd you grow up? So I grew up on a farm in mid-Michigan, real tiny farm. I had 42 kids in my graduating class super small. And, you know, it, it was interesting because I think it was kind of the, the start of my entrepreneurial journey. Growing up on a farm, I was, I had to do a lot of different chores and a lot, had a lot of responsibilities as a, as a young man. And that I think caused me to become very singular minded at times, both good and bad, but also, you know, it required me to, to, to be a rugged individualist. And so when I started my company and I'm doing, you know, AR and AP and all accounting and sales and fine operations and all that stuff. It goes back to on the farm. Well, I have to mow the lawn and I have to take care of the animals. I have to take care of the house. All those different things kind of came into play. So I, in, in the town I grew up in, it was so small. We had one grocery store, one stoplight. So my mom would drive me to school some days and I'd fill up my, you know, my backpack with, you know, gum and candy and fireballs and take them to school, buy them for a nickel, sell them for a quarter. Who doesn't want those margins? And I remember, I remember the man coming down on me, AKA the principal saying, you can't do that. You're taking advantage of kids. And of course, you know, being the little entrepreneur that I was, I'm like, well, they don't have to buy it. You know, it's supply and demand. So that entrepreneurial spirit has continued from elementary school up till now. Uh, so how exactly did you get started? So, you know, I started my first company when I was, uh, gosh, 27 years old. And I originally put together a, a great business plan. It was, you know, bound and thick and required $140,000. And to kind of create a, be a better context of how investable I was at 27. I was recently divorced, a single dad living in an apartment. So who doesn't want to give that guy $140,000? I can tell you who, every single bank in, mid in Metro Detroit didn't want to give this guy $140,000. <laughs> so what do we do? We, as entrepreneurs, what we typically do, we go to one of the three Fs, friends, family, or fools. I found one of those to loan me money. And I thought, oh, awesome. I'm going to have a, a plenty of startup capital. I'm going to have a long runway. I got enough money for 90 days. And on day 72, we turned the corner because I was under a lot of pressure, mostly applied by myself to make this bad boy work. And so fast forward, okay, I got enough money. We're, we're cranking the business. We're scaling. We're adding offices. We're adding staff. And come up on 1997, or I'm sorry, 2006, so nine years later, um, I'm $600,000 in debt. I'm two months away from running out of all of my money. The bank had called the note. They were going to take my house. My son and I were going to be homeless because of my choices, because of my decisions. So at the last minute, kind of in a Tom Brady-esque Hail Mary pass mode, I hired a coach. And I finally, for the first time, stopped being that rugged individualist who grew up on a farm in mid-Michigan. And I brought in some help. And we turned that business around. And we got out of debt within, I think it was eight years. So it took a while. It didn't turn over around overnight. And we hockey stick the business to make the Inc. 5,000 six times in seven years. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, I've, I've been to the bottom of the bottom of the valley and near the top of the mountain. And, you know, I did my second book just came out. I'm super excited about that from suck to success. And in that, in that book, I tell those stories. So entrepreneurs will know that, you know, if you're feeling alone, like I was feeling, 
by some, most of it was my own choice. An entrepreneur at all is an entrepreneur at risk. So I, I tell those stories in the book because when people see that you, know, you're, you have the Inc. 5,000 six times next to your name on your LinkedIn profile, they just assume you figured everything out. And it was super easy. And you know, your best friends are Mark Cuban and Mr. Wonderful. And that's not really the case. Right. So how did the idea of suck to success even come up? And how did you come up with that concept? You know, great question. Uh, it really came up for, for basically, I was writing the book for two people. I was writing the book for my son, who's now 30, and he's looking to become an entrepreneur. And then the second person I wrote the book for is the 27-year-old me who didn't know the, 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 the plane he had just jumped out of when he started his business without a parachute as he fell to the ground. I was like, I wish somebody had told me this wasn't a straight line of success, but a looping line of success. Right. And I, I wanted their people to understand that Yes, as entrepreneurs, we certainly need to understand cash strategy execution. But for me, it's always people. It's always every problem in business for me has always been people. And the first people, the first person it starts with is me. So half of the book is desi designed around the mindset of a successful entrepreneur, starting with the mindset of a failed entrepreneur, which was me back in you know, 2006. And I talk about the value of creating purpose in what we do, having the proper core values. I know that's you know, tried and true. People say, oh, I've heard that a hundred times, but I actually tell you the stories about how bad it was when I didn't have those and mm -hmm. how I went through to find those and how I had to do my own guy, and how I was blessed enough to meet Simon Sinek when he was young and poor and would work with anybody. And he worked with me to help me figure out my why and how then I had to create a process to get myself unstuck when I didn't do what I said I was going to do for things that would only benefit me. So all the craziness that goes inside of the mind of an entrepreneur, I wanted to put that in the first half of the book. So in what ways do you see people getting stuck in business today? And how do you help them get unstuck? I help them deal with inside out leadership. A lot of my entrepreneurs come to me and say, you know, it's COVID, it's the economy, it's the marketplace, it's the dog ate my homework excuses. The reality is I help an entrepreneur get stuck because I go inside out. Then typically, 99 out of 100 times, we're stuck because we got ourselves stuck. Mm -hmm. Only one person got me $600,000 in debt, and it wasn't the governor, it wasn't the president, it wasn't, you know, in Detroit, it wasn't General Motors, Florida Christ. It was me. Yeah. I got me into that spot. So who's probably the best person to get me out of there? Probably me. Why am I not getting out of there? Because I'm stuck. Because my itty-bitty committee is meeting in my head telling me how much I suck. So we deal with that first because we all have – I've never – I'm sure there's someone else, but I've never met an entrepreneur or a parent even who doesn't have a little bit of imposter syndrome mm. where mine was, I think I have to be all things to all people all the time about all topics. That's even, that's impossible. And then the second thing I would tell myself is every time I failed or something in the business failed, I was a failure. So the only definition of success I had is if the business was rocking, I was successful. But if we had a bad day, then I, I would fall down. It was an elevator of misery. So I had to realize part of my imposter syndrome was to recognize that I need to have more of an intentional mindset. And that's one of the first things my coach worked with me on was having an intentional mindset about getting out of debt. We tried numerous ways. And I, again, I illustrate those in the book, things we've tried that didn't work. But, but my purpose was to get out of debt. I didn't exactly know how. I did the Stockdale paradox. The brutal reality was I had gotten myself into debt. And somehow this would be the defining moment of my life. I just decided to adopt that. And now here I am on your show talking about the mess that has become my message. And I got an international best-selling book where I tell people all the crazy nonsense that I pulled and how I dug myself out of it. How do you help people grow their businesses and their personal life? And what best practices can you offer? Great question. So for me, 
I always ask my entrepreneurs, what do you want? And you think, well, that that's such a simple question. I want to have a lot of money. I want to have a stack of cash. I want to have a boat. I want to have a yacht. I'm... Okay, but what do you want and why do you want it? And once we start peeling back those layers, and it's usually anywhere from a one to three day process to really help them figure out what they want and why they want it. And once we figure that out, we, we, they set the goal. So I wanted, I wanted to be out of debt. We created intention around that of being out of debt. Then we create a strategy around that intention. And then we create executional me- metrics around that, your KPIs. And we just do that over and over and over again. In some cases, I would do it on a daily basis back in my recruiting business to the point of where we, we created this fail forward award for the person who had the most failures each week, not the person who had the most sales each week. Because the person was failing and iterating, he's like a mad scientist in the lab, trying different things to see what would work. That was, in, that was so important to our growth. And so I share that with my clients because inevitably, Kent, they, they get to a point where they do something that's out of alignment with their goal. Mm-hmm. And as their coach, I hold them massively accountable by being massively curious about why they did that. I'm almost like, essentially, I'm like a board of directors. I do 30 minute calls with each of my clients once a week. I have a client, this I just talked to, this is a great example. He says, I am not checking email all weekend. I said, that's mm-hmm. awesome. How are you going to announce that? What do you mean? How am I going to announce it? I said, well, you, your family's complaining that you're too wrapped up in work. How are you going to tell them? And then if you check your email, what's your punishment going to be? So his punishment, punishment this week is... His kids are going to tickle him. Awesome. What a great punishment. I said, great. So just so you know, I'm going to check in with you Monday morning, even though you're not on my call list for Monday, I'm going to check in with you to see how, you, how this went. Okay. Oh, so like, you're going to like, like inspect what, you know, people respect what the boss inspects kind of thing. So you're actually going to hold me accountable. I said, that's what I do. If you don't want me to hold you, then just say you're not going to do it. And that's okay too. And, I, and then we go and tell your kids that, that your emails are important to you and you're going to ignore them this weekend. When I talk to you next week and, you, and your itty bitty community is telling you what a crappy parent you are, we can deal with that. He's like, I look forward to talking to you on Monday. Perfect. Okay, so here's an interesting question, especially coming from your background of having been in that suck and now being in the success. There always seems to be people around us that are doing better than we are, and we can learn so much from them. And we all know that good artists create on their own or they borrow, but great artists steal and then make it their own. So... For your business, what have you stolen and how have you made it your own? Oh, so I, I, I have stolen liberally with full endorsement of the person I've stolen from. So I still use a coach. So I coach, give or take 15 entrepreneurs on a weekly basis. I, I have a coach. His name is Dr. Daniel Friedland. Mm-hmm. And I steal from him liberally because he's so generous and that he gives it to me. And in our coaching situation, we've worked together now for seven years. I've had a seven-year coaching relationship with him. Prior to that, my coach, Greg, he and I had a seven-year relationship. So for 14, the last 14 years, I have received a ton of coaching. And in that, I, I steal from him literally things such as massive curiosity, how to drill down. And so I, I was so liberal in my stealing that he wrote the forward to my book so I could make sure he got full credit because I wanted him to know that I, I love the work we do. I love how you've helped me repair relationships. I love how you helped me grow me as a human being and as an entrepreneur, and as a partner, and as a parent, I want to give you full credit. And so the first thing, what did I do? I took his process and I renamed it to my process, took pieces out of it that I know entrepreneurs find too complicated, and I call it my E4 process. So totally. I mean, the active learning cycle has been around for forever. Everybody puts a little spin on it. 
So yeah, I, I've stolen the active learning cycle. I've stolen massive curiosity. I've sto stolen massive accountability. Uh, itty bitty committee. I, I think I heard that on an interview with someone. I was like, oh, that's what I have. All those <laughs> things. You're, what I think is unique about what I do though, and, and I would say this to anybody who's an artist, whether it's a, an artist who's performing music, there's only how many chords on the guitar. You know, yeah. it, It's what we put into it. It's like a chef. It's the, it's the love they put into the food they prepare to us to serve us. That's what I do in the book. I, I tell you all the embarrassing stories. I, I lead with the worst moment of my life. I have others contribute their stories. Nobody got, nobody got into my book who said, look at how smart I am. No, it's more like, look at how challenged I've been and look at how I've worked through it. So I think for me, if you're going to steal something, whatever you steal, if you put your own your sense of ownership on what you've taken and you pay homage to those you've taken it from, I think it's fine. So it sounds like there's a lot of things that you've learned over time when it comes to efficiency, especially going from the whole, you do everything to now you're focusing on coaching. So how do you achieve efficiency and how do you keep your skills as sharp as possible? Oh, wow. No one's ever asked me that question. I'm going to actually have to think about that for a minute. So when it comes for me being efficient, Efficient means for me getting things done. Hmm. And I found that for me to get everything, I usually have to write it down or hmm. I put it in my calendar because I, nothing feels more embarrassing and nothing fires up my itty bitty committee quicker than missing an appointment, not honoring a commitment or letting somebody down. From an efficiency standpoint, this is the other thing I've learned is my job is the CEO of my company. Or my job is the CEO of my life now is to make sure something gets done. It doesn't mean I have to do it myself. So pivot, pivot into the book. Uh, I wanted to have a, a, an active marketing campaign. So I, I outsourced three of the five pieces of that campaign and I kept two that I did. So I made sure I got it done. I project managed other talented professionals to get it done. And I own parts of it that I wanted to have my, my fingerprints all over. That's, you know, when we do a bestseller campaign to get on the, uh, you know, to get a bestseller status, I felt I had owned the project, but I had, and I had to make sure other people got it done, but there was no way in heck I was going to be able to figure out every single little step along the way to do. So sure. bringing talented people, you know, I, I live in a home. I have a lawn. My neighbors in my home association want the lawn mowed. They don't care if I do it. That's a very good way of looking at that. I've never thought about that before. Well, and then take it a step further because I hate mowing the lawn from growing up on a farm, kind of bring it all full circle, right? Oh, yeah. I, I'm like, I remember sitting on the tractor as a kid saying, this is the world's worst job ever. I used to have to mow six acres a week. It was awful. It was hideous. And I had a little foam headset on with a cassette tape I put into the, the, the Walkman and the batteries would die halfway through. And I'd just sit there and be bitter and drive in my mower. And I said, one day I'm going to find successes to be, have someone else mow my lawn mm -hmm. sitting with a, a friend of mine. And I had to, I was complaining that I had to go mow my lawn at my other, my previous home. And he's like, what do you value? What do you bill your time at? And I told him, he's like, you can hire a lawnmower army to do it in the, in an hour. Why don't you go out and hire a kid for 35 bucks an hour, pay him 70 bucks to mow your lawn and just stop talking about this because the value of your time, as well as the value of my energy and my, the, my whole process of recalibration and regeneration is worth more than 70 bucks. I'm like, absolutely done. Hired a kid. My job is to make sure the kid shows up. That's it. But how long did it take you to go from your suck to feeling like you were in your success mode? It took me until about, three years ago. So I'm, so for the, for context for your listeners, I think transparency is so important nowadays. Now, 
if I want to be authentic, transparent, and vulnerable, ATV, I should tell them how old I am. So I'm, as we're recording this today, I'm 52 years old. I didn't feel like I had really reached my, my place of going from success to significance. For mm-hmm. me, that's how I define it until about three to four years ago. So anybody listening could look back in the archives and say, oh my gosh, so you already had been on the ink list. You already paid off all your debt. You achieved, 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 and you didn't feel successful. Well, not to where I feel right now. Now my success is being the, a coach and a guide of other people's journeys. They get to set the rules of the game. I help them navigate the, the pitfalls of the forest, so to speak. And for anybody who's got kids listening, this might resonate with them. At Christmas, when we're kids, we love getting gifts. When yeah. we've, got, we've got kids and we're parents, we love giving gifts. It's moving from that person in the journey to over the journey that I find actually to be so incredibly satisfying. Mm-hmm. So I started coaching about four years ago full-time. And it's been the absolute love of my life. It's been, you know, for me feeling going from successful to being significant. And the significance isn't for me, but it's for the legacy I'm able to leave within others. I've helped others achieve more financial success than they've ever been able to. People are working less and enjoying life more. They're building out their teams. They're creating better core values to to improve the lives of, of their staffs. That is incredibly rewarding to me. And I, again, I didn't get there until about four years ago. Feels like the, the message there is just, be patient. I am so bad at being patient. <laughs> rather, than, rather than lie to you, yes. So I, I read a review that, some, that someone put on my book recently, and it was somebody I knew, so I called him up. I said, hey, that was really thoughtful. And he said, just be patient. The tidal wave of opportunity is going to come your way. Now, this friend of mine just got a deal with Netflix for his, for his books. His, his books are going to be a whole series. He's written 18 of them. So Whoa. he's kind of a trusted source on on what success looks like in the, in the literary field, right? But now, the crazy thing is he's written 18 books in 26 years. So now he goes, I'm telling you, you're, you're way ahead of the curve in what you're doing versus what I do, but you're going to be a success. You're going to get where you want to go. Look, I'm on your show. This is pretty successful for me. You know, and, and watching him you know, over 26 years, it's those little steps. And so it is about the journey. Here's what I have learned about the journey. The journey isn't always happy. It should always be satisfying. Again, you ra- raising kids isn't always happy. <laughs> if we do it well enough, hopefully it will be satisfying. But my son's 30. And I'd say I didn't really start being satisfied as a parent until, I was about, until he was about 27. So what is, I mean, obviously you talked about the $600,000 in debt, but what is the greatest challenge that you've had to overcome to date? So here's what comes to mind initially. Being a single parent mm. and an entrepreneur at the same time was a big challenge. And there were times that I talk about it in the book where I dropped the ball. Mm. I was more focused on my business than on, on being a good dad. Sometimes. The flip of that is now I'm able, you know, my, my son at one point moved from Michigan to California. He would have moved farther, but he ran into an ocean. So now he lives 15 minutes from me. He's moved back home and we've worked through some of our challenges. And that's certainly my if you look at the, the, the dynamic of the book, really it, it is an archetype for an architecture for life and problem solving in relationships and problem solving with ourselves as human beings internally, but also externally with our kids and with our, our executive teams, with our clients, with our employees, with our, our loved ones. So for me, and I dedicated the book to my son because he rode the roller coaster of misery with me. And sometimes we would, un, we, we would be on the roller coaster without a lap belt. So we thought we we're falling out at any moment. And 
there's the earth and it's, we're going to go splat. So I, I'm very appreciative for, uh, of him, first of all. I think from, a, from an entrepreneurial perspective, because I want to make sure I, I honor your audience as well, it is for me, it was recognizing that for many years, I chased the number. I chased mm-hmm. the revenue number. I only was going to be a success if I reached a certain number in revenue. So I would take on bad deals. I would take on lost leaders. I would take on where the margins were razor thin. And that's how I partially got into such bad debt. Um, it's mar- it's a margin business. You got to know your margins. And that's the first thing when I hired my coach back in 06, he just beat me over the head. It's like margin, margin first. Your margins are always first. So he actually you talk about paying homage. He wrote a chapter in a book called margin magic mm-hmm. um, because it is about the margin. And what I got so tripped up on was if I, if I fought for the right margin for my business, nobody would like me. People wouldn't hire me. All this, this, this white noise in my head. And then we gave price increases. Oh my gosh. It was like, I, I thought the sky was going to be falling. I was like chicken little pre. And, you go, and in the staffing business, if you move, you move pennies or you move nickels, you can actually drop a lot more to the bottom line, which I was just a clue. And so what I did, I guess the third thing I learned is I plugged into his confidence. He goes, trust me, this will work. Trust me, this will work. And he would say, I will not let you fail. It was huge for me when I itty bitty me has 600,000 reasons why I've already been defined as a failure for an executive of his level. He ran a $600 million company and I, he's coaching me. And for him to say, you, I will not let you fail. Trust me on this. That was huge. And I find with my clients now, when I challenge them, I said, trust me, it will work. I've fought, I've, I've experienced the slings and arrows. I, I've gone through the gauntlet. I know coming, you'll come out on the other side justified. What is it that you like best about what you do? Oh, so, so easily. Light bulb moments. When mm. I'm talking to a client and they're struggling and they're in pain and they're uncomfortable, I let them sit and be uncomfortable. I let them sit and, and be um, in chaos and crisis in their head. And I ask them generative questions to slowly unpeel what the root cause issue is. Anybody can deal with symptoms. I want to deal with the root cause issue. And when they self realize and have self-acknowledgement of what the true issue is that is holding them or their company or their family or their marriage or their parenting back and they get it, dude, I, I really use the word dude. I mean, that's how excited I get. It's just, it is the absolute most favorite part of my job. Now I just did this in, I just did a live demo of this in, in Texas it only took us 45 minutes to get there. The room was like, just like this poor guy was suffering. And I just kept going and going and digging and digging and digging and validating and digging. And, and when he, when he had it, the room was like, they were like, they all like, there was like hugs and it, it was awesome. But I've seen it take, I, I've been with a client one time where it took like three hours to get in there. So talking about patience, what, I, what I am in my moment of, 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 my zone of genius, self-described, I'm no genius, but when I'm in that space and they're walking the path of learning and growth, I will be patient as a monk. I, I can empathize with that. I also run a, a Krav Maga gym. And so when my students go from struggling with a technique over and over and over again, then we drill down and then they finally get it for their first time. They get so excited. I'm like, that's the moment that makes everything worth it. I t- you're, like, you're like, look at your hands. Like, like, that's it. Like, that's, that's, it's, and that's for me, you must be a great coach because if you get joy out of their success, then 
I would argue you're totally doing it for all the right reasons. It's the coach who says, well, look at how smart I am. Look at how smart my client. Like, no, they did the work, not me. They've done it. Let's yeah. celebrate them. And yeah. here's the, here's what I've seen. I don't know if you've seen this, but oh my God, the, the, the enormous gratitude and appreciation they express for us taking that journey with them is just, it's electric sometimes. So if somebody wants to get a hold of your book or you, who is, who's the ideal person to be reading your book or getting in touch with you? The ideal person is the, for the person who's realizing that they're stuck. Mm. They're, they're maybe not getting everything out of their business or out of their life they want. A lot of people who've come to me, a lot of my current clients have had coaches beforehand and it didn't work. A lot of their coaches were teaching them a process, which is needed. Love process. Process is always needed. My model is more life by design. Mm. It's, it's, it's work-life integration wherever we go. I've got myself. I've got my business. Wherever we go, there we are. And that's really where I, I, I think I'm able to make the greatest impact for them is when they realize I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of not getting what I want. I'm sick and tired of working my butt off, not making any progress. Um, there's the person who's saying there's got to be a better way is a great fit for me. Now, the flip of that is they've got to be ready to do the work. Mm. I don't do the work for them. I'm not a consultant. I'm a coach. And my model is very intense. I talk to them once a week. I meet them with them for four hours and I recorded it to set new goals. And I also make myself available 24, seven, 365. You mm. text me, you email me. I will get back to you as quickly as possible. Usually within minutes, if not hours, but it's never more than 12 hours. And I got one client on the, different time zone. He'll text me like at midnight, my time. I'm like, I happen to be sleeping. That's why I didn't get back to you. And we just had to have that conversation because, and I love those moments where they reach out when they're in chaos and crisis. Cause that's where we get the light bulb moments. That's yeah. where they break through. That is the, that's the fun for me as crazy as that may sound. So yeah, I would say anybody who's, you know, gotten value out of our conversation today, Ken, I'd love to hear from them. They can reach out to me, Todd at extraordinaryadvisors.com. They go to my website. I'm happy to give them the first chapter of my book for free gift to them for listening to your show. And I'm happy to schedule a 30 minute, you know, talk with them. You know, I just, I just talked to somebody the other day who had heard me on a, on a different show. We talked for, we did a couple calls and he, he got so unstuck in our calls. He's like, Oh man, I want to hire. But he then started seeing the engagement as an expense and not an investment. And when I flash back to 2006, I'm $600,000 in debt. I'm going to lose my house and I spend my last nickels to hire a coach because I knew I needed to invest in myself with the hope and a prayer to save this business and a hope and a prayer to save my, my home for my son and I. If I'd seen it as an expense, one, I wouldn't have done it and I hmm. probably wouldn't be here today. Um, and two, I would have taken the advice and the counsel in a, very, in a very different mindset versus this is an investment. I know you're here to help me. You're going to tell me really tough things. You're going to hold up a mirror and I'm not going to like what I see. I understand all that. I want to get better. That's awesome. Um, just one more time for the people at home that are listening through audio. How do you, what's the website that they should go to and can you spell it out for them? Yeah. yeah. Extraordinaryadvisors.com or my book is from suck to success.com. Both will intertwine and reach out to me, say hi, and I'd love to chat with you. Awesome. Well, Todd, thank you so much for being on the show. For those of you at home, please like and subscribe and share with your friends uh, to see if they can get a golden nugget out of what Todd's had to share with us today. And we'll see you next week. Want to learn the tricks of our trade? We have them all laid out 
in our courses on Harmon Brothers University. This isn't surface level stuff here. This is our entire playbook, all our secrets laid out in full, the same training we give our own employees. You'll find courses on ad buying, writing video scripts to sell your product or service, creating the kind of large production ads we're known for, even making short ads using nothing but your cell phone. If you're looking to use video marketing to take your business to the next level, Harmon Brothers University has the course for you. Our students have seen incredible growth in their businesses by implementing what they learned in our courses. Take these reviews as living proof. We've now got multiple campaigns that are in the millions of views and in the multiple millions of dollars in sales. Within a week, we're close to 10 million views, over a million in sales, and most impressively, we've covered 100% of the production costs in the first 24 hours of releasing it. We saw immediate results. Sales went up 10x the first day. The first video we did is over 30 million views. The most customers that we've ever acquired in a single month. I think we had about 26,000 new customers. Go to HarmonBrothersUniversity.com to start accelerating your business's growth with video.